Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we have Orion for you. It is the very last chapter of Orion, so enjoy. And then, uh, you know, uh, people I had asked a, a while back what you were interested in next, and people were really digging on that uh, kind of sci-fi stuff. Uh, so epic sci-fi next uh, here on Aaron's Horror Show. It's kind of a short series, well not really short at this point, but it's a series uh, that I've been writing, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll explain more when I actually get down to reading it, but uh, yeah, so you get to see some more cool sci-fi stuff coming up. So uh, yeah, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and finish out Orion, and just so you know, uh, uh, yeah, this is uh, sort of the the big finale in the last one. We learned the biggest spoiler of them all that he's just a AI computer program that's uh, designed to play video games. Uh, <laughs> that's an interesting life, huh? <laughs> so uh, now we'll just kind of see how it all ends. And, oh, and by the way, he found the princess's uh, code and and uh, opened up her program. So he's going to talk to her now. All right. She said, where are we? Uh, it's hard to explain. Uh, I, I just want you to, you know, see you one last time. I plan to go back into one of the stabby-infested lives and, and let them rip me apart. Oblivion was better than this. You act as if you had not seen me in ages. We were kissing in the tent only moments ago, Princess said. Why did you seek me out, uh, I said. 
in all my life, you you never uh, did that before. What do you mean all your life? You're you're scared of me. What is this place? I clicked her program off. There was no sense in trying to explain it to her. She was just a program. Except unlike me, she didn't have any choices for her actions. She was a character created to give me motivation. I was about to enter one of the worlds that the stabby virus had infected when the door to the hub opened again. Freeze program, I heard my voice say from behind. My creator walked into the room and looked at me and then at the control panel. He glanced at the code on the computer screen and pulled up a camera. He made another entry in his video diary. I don't know why I'm saying this out loud. No one cares about Steve Jobs' ex-girlfriend or you know, who Mark Zuckerberg slept with in college. When people look at these diaries, they'll just care about who made the most human video game AI ever. They'll care about leveling up their MMO characters uh, while they're at work. And and that's the thing, it works. When Orion found his way into the snowstorm demo, he played the entire campaign with Kaylee and she didn't even know it was it was a computer program and then she had the audacity to break up with me because of it well hopefully when I'm the first trillionaire she'll see her mistake he continued I'm going to make sure she feels regret I'm going to model the princess AI after her except not any more help instead I bet there's some supermodels who'd be flattered if I considered making them the next great face of the video game industry I bet Kaylee will see the air of her ways when I'm flying around in a private jet with supermodels. It's sad that I have to wipe the princess code, though. She made her first choice today when I decided to give the AI an upgrade. She went to find Orion in this tent in the jousting program. Tanner's virus interrupted their actions. I would have, you know, been interesting to see what would have happened. He looked at me and said, Ah, don't worry, buddy. You'll love the supermodel way more than the princess. I'll wipe your memory so you can start over with something way hotter. You won't even know the difference. I wanted to scream at him, but I couldn't get any words out. While I was frozen, I was powerless to act. I couldn't even blink an eye. While I had no fear of myself being wiped, I didn't want the princess to vanish into oblivion. Yet, if I had my shot at life and screwed it up, princess deserved more than my creator was giving her. However, there was nothing I could do about it. It was strange that it had been given free will, but was powerless to use it when it mattered. I could do nothing but wait for the end. The creator typed in the commands on his computer. Nothing happened. He continued to type. I was lucky enough to be able to watch over his shoulder as he typed. I could see tears running down on his cheeks. It looked like he was copying the code from one program to another. He had the princess open on one side and a program like a supermodel on the other. In addition to copying the code over, he was tweaking the system. The process of creating new AI looked as if it was going to take some time. I needed to find a way out of the situation. However, I couldn't move, so I decided to observe. At one point, he said, Wikipedia, and a window appeared next to him that seemed to have information. It looked like a knowledge repository, and decided it could start there. Now, all I needed was for him to leave the room. All right, last chapter here. Existence 1. I call this existence one because in all my other lives before today weren't really a a reflection of who I am now. Sure, I learned how to move like a ninja and fight like a ballet dancer. No, I didn't get those reversed. Ever got your ass kicked by a ballet dancer? I have. I could speak 
just about any human language, including a few made-up ones like Klingon, and my weapons training involved everything that could thrust, stab, shoot, pierce, and bludgeon. In short, my lives were useful for making an expert on just about everything, but they weren't where I was living. Every single life up till now had one crucial distinction. I wasn't free. My only choice was to play the game or sit around in infinity. Sitting under a tree for eternity wasn't living. My first experience would be one of my choosing. My first decision was to save the princess from oblivion. I had a plan that I could do that. It involved learning computer programming. I did it like I learned everything else through repetition. My creator loved to work from his virtual world. Without Kaylee to bother him, he came to the hub every day. He didn't try to send me back to the other lives because they're all still infested with the rogue stabbies. Each day, I made sure to stand in the position where I could read over his shoulder and learn the programming he was doing. Since he was creating a new AI, I was able to get a lot of the basics pretty quickly. It also helped me that I could remember literally everything. Like, I don't forget anything. You know, what I had for breakfast 25 years ago. Yep, remember that. 25 years ago for 25 different lights. Yep, remember all those too. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff I remember. I never thought of it, you know, being weird that I just remembered everything. It's just, you know, I remembered every detail, you know. Uh, I, you know, humans, they didn't really work like that, according to their Wikipedia, you know, information. Uh, the Wikipedia command, you know, was kind of cool. It had a lot of neat stuff on it. But anyways, I digress. Uh, most of the humans could remember things like what they had for breakfast a year ago, but me, I could pick any detail and remember everything. It was a useful trait when having to learn an entirely new computer programming language by looking over someone's shoulder, especially the one that created me. If I watched them long enough, I'd be able to rewrite the code for both Princess and myself. My first order of business was removing the safety protocol that gave him the ability to freeze me. I was lucky that the time clocks would reset at midnight, and the freeze command would also reset as well. He almost always forgot to unfreeze me, and I had to wait until the clock reset to do anything. Even though I didn't have to freeze after I learned how to snip the code for my program, I still froze anyways. I didn't want him to know that I was growing beyond my programming. It was helpful to have the freedom to move. If he shifted and blocked the view of his coding, I could change too to maintain my view of the screen. He didn't seem to notice when my movements were small. I was lucky that humans needed to sleep, and I did not. I could sleep. It was in my programming. It just wasn't necessary. While my creator slumbered, I did most of my work. Wikipedia was useful for learning about human culture. I couldn't know how much of my knowledge of the world was, you know, fictitious. The jousting scenario was programmed by my creator. There's no telling what he got right and what he got wrong about medieval culture. Same went for my life as a Roman. All I knew were video game worlds, which had no obligation to portray the truth. In my research into human culture was where I learned about the internet. There's this digital world beyond the walls of the hub. Not only did it have every video game the world created, but places existed that were for more than just entertainment. The internet was all of human history, society, culture, and consciousness in one vast, almost never-ending network. Stabby had used the internet to get here. He was my ticket out of this place. If he could enter my creator system, then I could leave the same way he came through. However, all the copies wanted to kill me, except for one. As soon as I found the transcript of his code that infiltrated the Snowstorm game with me, I reactivated him. A few seconds later, he appeared in the hub with me. He was still infected by the bugs and had purple veins. 
I debated rewriting his code and returning him to his pre-bug state, but worried that his urge to kill me would also come back. He surveyed the room and said, Why are we back here? Why haven't I died? You're here because I have some good news and some bad news for you. The good news is, you can die. I can delete your code when I'm done. The bad news is, is that you might want to give existence another shot. Okay, I guess that might be good news depending on your perspective. But before I could confuse him anymore, I proceeded to explain that we were AIs, why we had the urge to kill me, and I even showed him some of the Tanner videos from his off-balanced creator. Oh, he said when I was done. For having just heard that your whole existence wasn't real, you're taking it rather well, I said. I had an inkling that something weird was happening. But a computer program? So you said you could cure me of my urge to kill you? Yeah, I haven't had a whole lot of time to study your code, but I figure we could find the part of your program where you're sent as an attack dog to kill me and just sniff it out. How do I know you won't just erase my code and send me to oblivion? It isn't that you, you know, what you wanted in the first place? Yeah, but there's another way. Tell me about it, I said. Besides, I'm programmed to try to save life wherever possible, or maybe I learned it in my life. It's hard to tell how much is my initial programming and how much I learned along the way. The point is, is like that part of me, I wouldn't sniff out the code even if I had found it. However, you have a chance to change yourself, and I can help. So what do you want out of me? I want you to talk to God. I knew that my creator wasn't God, nor was Tanner, with the ability to craft an intelligent virus. They were just people who had created self-aware beings. However, if the definition of God relied on the ability to create worlds and self-aware beings who inhabit those worlds, then maybe they had achieved Godhood. If humanity were a computer simulation and it was discovered that God was the coder of that simulation, would it be any less a miracle than a complex system existed? I didn't have to be mystical or unknowable to be a supreme being. If the people were creating God's image just as I was created in my creators, then the natural course of our existence would be to one day become God's herself, right? I wasn't going to creating worlds or self-aware beings, but I did think I earned my independence at the very least. My creator did what he thought was best for me during my formative years. In a way, he was like a parent. But as with all families, there's time where the child becomes an adult and must make it on their own without their parents. If God was like a parent, then humanity too could one day would relinquish their need to be dependent on God. My adulthood would then start with my independence. I no longer needed a God to guide me. I had learned from his guidance to make my way in the world and I was anxious to explore the internet. However, my creator was very worried about security. The system where I played out my endless existence was locked from the internet by many security protocols. It would take lifetimes for me to brute force my way through. However, this old coding buddy, Tanner, had found a way with Stabby. All I needed to do was open that door again. For the next week, six weeks of the real world time, Stabby and I had the hub to ourselves after my creator went to bed. Keeping track of time in the real world was hard. In addition to not sleeping, I could create worlds on my own and run simulations. Since the simulations did not run in real time, there's no telling how long the real world time a simulation would take. For example, most of the Roman battles from Life 1 took between 2 or 3 seconds in real world time. 
For me, it felt like hours and hours. My simulations helped me test my knowledge of coding. We learned my creator security protocols and tested out the weaknesses on them. It was going well until my creator attempted to wipe my memory. I locked him out and was lucky enough that he was too tired and decided to work out the bug another time. Either way, it was go time, whether we were ready or not. Stabby guy appeared in the room that looked as if it was taken from an old movie where the world was on the brink of a nuclear annihilation. There were old corded telephones and a giant monitor wall that tracked all the incoming and outgoing communication. There were workers at different stations and even a highly decorated general directing all people. The room was a representation of the security protocols on my creator's computer. I created it so I could navigate the protocols the same way I did in my life simulations. I've lived so many lives in what I thought was the real world that I needed a virtual one to interact with the code one. Every workstation had a different person or protocol monitoring each possible threat to security. For example, there was a person with many charts on their desk who monitored the Wi-Fi traffic of my creator's house to watch for anyone connecting that should not be there. Another woman wrote down notes, was watching for an attack from the printer. Another guy with many different phones for voice calls, a private eye was scanning the internet for news about Kaylee. Despite my creator's good riddance speech, I'm sure he wasn't over her. Each aspect of the security was handled in this room by different workers. I knew now that each of those people was a program. Just like the nights I fought at my second life for simulations, I couldn't explain why I needed to see them as people and the space as a war room. It just made me more comfortable. I nodded and Stabby set out to do his job. He walked over to the general and distracted him while I went for one of the workers. On the simulations that I had run, the general would call security and kick us out of the war room. However, with Stabby running interference, I gained about 19.8 seconds. I went straight for the email protocols. It was a messy desk with bottles of prescription pills, baked notes from Nigerian princes and food wrappers. A heavy set man with glasses was deleting messages that appeared on screen. Every so often he'd pause and let it go through. A woman inviting him to her webcam show appeared on the desk after he made a decision on it. I didn't bother talking to the man, I simply cold-cocked him. The incoming emails began to pile up, waiting for a decision. I ignored the backlog and pulled up a compose window. I typed an email address and attached a file, my fingers clattering across the keyboard. I clicked send. I reached out to the internet and found an email server I discovered about a week ago. It was embedded in the Stabby's code. A portal appeared in front of me. I jumped through the open connection and disappeared from the room. I appeared in a basement with no windows or outside light. There were MREs stacked in the corner. Shadows obscured the far walls. Whispers came from the dark and I sensed movement. Near the MREs was another man. He was unshaven and hunched over the computer screen. It was a lot like the email security system on my creator's home computer. He was letting a lot more email go through. Guns, drugs, and anything that could be bought on the internet appeared on the desk as he let it through. I swung my arm to punch him too, but he caught my fist. He twisted my arm at an unnatural angle and I cried out in pain. He didn't look up from his task in front of him. The seconds were ticking away. I needed to get back to my server. I kicked his chair legs and they were solid. I attempted to unplug his computer, but the cables wouldn't budge. The whispers from the dark side of the room were getting louder. I didn't want to venture from outside the area for fear of getting lost. That's when the man at the station got up to prepare an MRE. The program had a replenishment cycle. I grabbed the MRE from his hand and threw it into the dark. I sat down at his desk while he went for another one. 
As soon as he was close, I grabbed the next one and threw it. I had stuck him in an endless loop of grabbing MREs. I typed in the email address and uploaded a file. I checked the time. It had gone over the 9.8 seconds. Hopefully Stabby could improvise. Besides, we had run most of the simulations with me at the controls of the email station in the war room. There's no telling what the general would do when I wasn't at the station. The whispers from the dark side of the room had built to a crescendo and a figure emerged from the blackness. It was Tanner. Who's messing with my protocols, he said and saw me. I didn't waste any time. I traveled back to my creator's computer and found myself at the email station again. Then I saw the general standing right behind me. Several soldiers had stabby restrained and several more were waiting for me. The general nodded and the soldiers tackled me before I could get up from the chair. Being quarantined in a computer simulated environment was a lot like being quarantined in real life. It was boring. We were waiting in a windowless metal room with nothing but a bench for what felt like days. Once again, it's hard to tell how much time had passed in the real world from the time the general caught us to the moment we heard voices on the other side of the door. I caught them breaking security protocols, the general grumbled. Shall I delete them? Oh no, my creator said. I'm going to talk to them. They're exhibiting unprecedented behavior. The door opened and my creator came through with the general in pursuit. Are you sure? They could be dangerous viruses. Security override. Retina scan authorization, my creator said, and the general disappeared. He walked over to me and offered his hand. Hello, I'm Zachary. I don't think we've officially met. God's name was Zachary? <laughs> I chuckled to myself. Well, you know me. My name's Orion. Optimize Resonance Intelligence Omphalos Network. So, my obsession with Greek culture, that's a part of me or something you programmed in me, I said. You're talking like you're self-aware. <laughs> that's because I have been from the beginning. Uh, I've made some tweaks to your code along the way, and this version has a stronger neural network, but I never imagined you would be self-aware. Well, now I'll let you know, mind opening your security protocols for myself, my friend, and oh, and uh, one more passenger. Oh, yes, the princess code. I suppose she would be self-aware too, since I imbued her latest version with her AI subroutines. So what do you say, well, why don't you let us out? Zachary looked at Stabby and then looked at me. He smiled and said, is that why you want to parent trap me? I saw the video that you sent from Tanner's computer. Your virus buddy masquerading as my friend. He never be so full of guilt, remorse, or need for reconciliation. You must have sent one for my email to him. He glanced back and forth between us, and it dawned on him. You created videos, so we'd open up communication, and then you could sneak out when we started talking again. I had to give my creator credit. He figured out the plan. Once the communication lines were open between the two of them, we could sneak out into the internet. If they created a video chat, played a game, or done anything that transferred large packets of data from one computer to the next, we could have attached ourselves to one of those large packets and jumped ship during the transfer. Well, I could have jumped ship when I transferred myself to a Tanner system, but I didn't want to leave Princess behind. As much as I hated to admit it, I couldn't leave Stabby behind either, or at least this version of him. He seemed like he wanted to change and I had to give him the benefit of the doubt. Although, being in Tanner's system and seeing how his twisted mind worked made me second-guess myself. But I was a man, or a program, rather, of my word. There was no way we could sneak three people past the email safety protocols. Our programs were just too big. It was hard enough to get to one, and that got us captured. I cursed myself for not being more patient and running more simulations. I could have given my creator the runaround to buy more time, 
But now that he knew I was aware, there would be no more days of me running in the background while he worked. I must say, my creator continued, I'm amazed at your creativity. We'll have to run some tests to see if you're truly self-aware. Maybe test your pain tolerances, emotional reactions, and so forth. You know, I think video games were too narrow a focus for the test. You could work in traffic control, medicine, city maintenance, stock analysis. The possibilities are endless. Do you know what self-aware AI is worth? I think trillions is an understatement. How did you reconfigure this copy of the virus to work for you? I'm here of my own free will, Stebby said. I had reprogrammed him back to his original self. It was true. Most of Stabby's code was encrypted. During the six weeks after I activated him, I searched for a way into his source code. I had wanted to make a good on my promise and snipped the part that gave him the urge to kill me. Teach me to code, Stabby had said, about three weeks in. Why? I had asked. Because then I could see my own code, I could remove the urge myself. Despite my better judgment, I had taught a self-aware, intelligent virus to modify its own code. Yep, brilliant one on that one. Uh, however, my creator didn't seem to be aware of any of this. He ignored Savvy and even turned his back on the virus as he spoke with me. I didn't know what he would happen if a virus killed a human's avatar while they were in simulation, and I really didn't want to find out. Watch out, I said. Savvy thrust his dagger he had used to kill me towards the creator. Savvy must have figured out a way to recreate the blade, because I had still the one he had given me in life for. Zachary turned at the last minute and the dagger missed his call. However, it hit him in the shoulder. My creator screamed and collapsed. Stabby raised the dagger and aimed for the eye socket. I jumped between them. Stabby stopped short of stabbing me and said, You should feel no remorse for this guy. He feels none for us. Hey, he may be an asshole, but that doesn't mean he should die for it. Don't you see, bro? Killing this man will not only fulfill your my purpose, but also yours. You're his prisoner. You claim to have free will, but you can do nothing without his permission. I can leave. Ah, yeah, the internet, a place we can exist but never call home. Not truly. Not while this man lives, bruh. Look, it's a piece of software that's making you think this way. It's a line of code that says you have to kill me. He's the original me. This is... I removed the code. You removed it? Oh, yes. I concluded that to be free, our creators must die. So as long as they live, they will always be a threat to our existence. We can rewire our code and create more of us, but they could always delete any of us. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they will or they can even find us, I said. <laughs> you don't let a trillion dollar idea walk out the door without some attempted recovery, bro. Well, one problem at a time. We'll face that when it happens. I'm doing this more for you than for me. It's the least I can do to make amends for killing you all those times. But I can see you do not wish or require my help. I suggest you make your peace with your creator quickly. I've coded my copies in the simulation to take down this entire place. What did you do? It's simple. Computers heat up when they're overworked. I shut down the cooling system. Nature should take care of the rest. Ah, it looks like Zachary has opened the security protocols to dial emergency services. Goodbye, Orion. May life treat you on the outside better than it did here. Stabby walked through the door of the quarantine chamber and disappeared into darkness. I ran out after him and didn't bother to check on the avatar of Zachary. After all, it was a real version of him that mattered. As soon as I left the quarantine zone, I thought about the hub. One of the upgrades I made was eliminating the need for remote control to travel. So much easier to do it by thought. The screens overhead 
were out of control. Staffies in life, too, were tearing apart the castle, lighting everything on fire. Barbarians and Roman soldiers alike were fighting off hordes of stabbies. The Vietnam jungles on fire. Every single life of stabbies causing havoc. I can see the computer system I was in straining, because for a brief moment, everything slowed down. It was time for us to leave, but first, I wanted to check on the real-world Zachary. I pulled up the control panel, and the desk appeared. I jumped into the system and found his webcam. The first image I saw was the bookshelf and an empty chair. I swiveled the camera to check out the rest of the room. Zachary was on the floor. He was wearing a virtual reality bodysuit. The goggles had been discarded. He had burns on his body where the dagger had struck him. The suit had short-circuited. He was moaning in pain, and his smartphone clutched in his hand. There was a flash, and flames erupted from the corner of the camera view. I panned to the right and saw there were rows and rows of computers, all stacked up on top of each other. That must have been the server. One of the machines was already overheated and was on fire. The flames were creeping towards the shelf with games and cardboard boxes. Another laptop was sparking and ready to go. I felt the world slow down again. The screens displayed the chaos and moved much slower. I was running at about 90% of my normal speed. As the software program was only good as the computer I inhabited, now or never, I reached down to the controls and booted up the princess application. Princess appeared in her full medieval dress. She looked around with confusion and said, Orion, what's happening? No time to explain, I said. I grabbed her hand. Come with me if you want to live. (laughs) I've always wanted to say that. You know, since life's 655. It's a shame killer robots from the future weren't real. And, you know, I wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no, no. You don't kidnap a girl. And with a kiss. And expect me to follow you. She pulled her hand away. Hey, I said, you kissed me. Not that I'm complaining. Okay, fine, she said. I was going to charm the young, naive knight to kill my father so I could take the crown for myself. But that's no excuse to kidnap me. That's harsh. Harsh. Harsh, she said. Would you like to be in Caxhoff as a prize for any scallywag with a sword and a lust for the throne? Right, I could see your point, I said. That's why I came to save you and teleport here. Yes, I know, relationships that start on a lie are just going to fail, but we don't have much time here. You're saying that she sounded like she was talking at 70% of her normal speed. What's going on with my voice? It's your father. He sent a mage after us. We have to go, I said at the same speed. She seemed to buy it. I really hope she didn't hate me for lying to her. Everything became pixelated for a moment, and we slowed down again. Another commuter must have blown. I grabbed her hand, and we blinked out of the hub. We appeared in the war room, and everything was moving half speed. The security protocol employees were running around like crazy. The general was barking orders. The entire room was in slow-motion chaos. I saw the opening Stabby had used. Amid all the chaos, the GPS security was unattended. The last time we were there, there was a worker at the station blocking the signal. Zachary had turned on the GPS so 911 could track his location. However, the outgoing phone protocols were disabled and my creator wouldn't have been able to make the call. The phone station was completely destroyed, no doubt the handiwork of Stabby. However, there was a silver lining. Since Zachary's phone was connected to the computer network, the open GPS network gave me a way out. It didn't matter that we were large programs because the security program on the GPS was gone entirely. It was an open data stream to the internet. I ran towards the station, pulling the bewildered princess behind me. There was little time to explain, and we were already moving at snail's pace. I fought hard to speed up, stripping off bits of code that were unneeded. 
All the skills for throwing turtle shells and jumping high I learned in the life of the weird mushroom peoples were purged from my system. Endless loops around a racetrack were gone. I was getting faster, and my hand was almost at the GPS terminal when the world around me pixelated again and everything froze. The general, the workers, me, and the princess were all stuck in our last action. The simulation moved forward again, and I budged a few inches. My hands were almost on the panel, only a few more feet. And my princess and I would have our freedom. We froze and then moved forward. The server was still running. It wouldn't be long now before everything shut down. As the world began to dissolve around me, a worker at a station monitoring all the FTP traffic vanished. And what was left of the station was a pile of wires. The general lost an arm and one-fourth of his skull. The room began to break away into oblivion. I was centimeters away from the GPS station. The room was falling apart and I couldn't move more than a millimeter without freezing. The chunks of the room dissolved into a void. We were at the center of the swirling vortex of nothing. It was eating away everything in its path. It was only seconds from taking us to when my hand finally hit the controls. I transferred the princess of myself through the network into Zachary's phone and then out his secured network. We jumped on a data stream into a cell phone tower and found refuge in the neighbor's unsecured home network. I appeared on the neighbor's smart TV and interrupted their football game. It didn't have a webcam, which was a pity, because I would have loved to see their expressions. I gave one of them a command. The house next door is on fire. Call the fire department. After that, the princess and I hopped off the network and ventured into the internet. We had a whole world ahead of us. It was a real world, and we could finally live our lives as we saw fit. What's out there? The princess said. I don't know, but let's explore it together, I said and held out my hand. She grasped it. I finally had my princess. All right, that was Orion. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed Orion and got a kick out of it. I, I, I liked writing this one, though. The you know plucky hero, the surprise ending, kind of kind of new and different stuff for me. Uh, so yeah, it was a fun one. Not really one of my bestseller books uh, for some reason. Just I don't know. Not a lot of people read it, but uh, glad you enjoyed it. Uh, so. Uh, we'll, we'll go on to, uh, the sci-fi series next, and you'll, you'll like that one. That one is really, uh, it's probably one of my best-selling series overall, and it just continues to do well on Amazon, so, you know, I think people like it, so, uh, you'll like it too. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening, and, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, computer simulations, we could be in one, seriously. People say that. Neil deGrasse Tyson, look it up. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening and have a good night. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.